Hi, this is Nick Dawson, the editor-in-chief of Talk House Film, and you're listening to the Talk House Film Podcast. Stand-up comedian Ari Shafir's Comedy Central show, This Is Not Happening, feels weirdly old-fashioned, in a good way. First aired on the Comedy Central website, and now in its second season on Comedy Central itself, it's impressively simple in its concept. Comedians telling true stories, or, you know, mostly true stories. At a time when there are rules about how long, or rather how short, something needs to be in order to go viral, these are stories that luxuriate in the time taken to tell them, sometimes running as long as 20 minutes. The show has had some great guests, Rob Corddry, Henry Rollins, Mark Maron, Kumail Nanjiani, and Keegan-Michael Key, to name just a few. Raconteurs who spin yarns that are consistently funny, but also by turns dark, thoughtful, and sometimes even kind of sweet. For anyone who's coming late to the party, past episodes of the show are readily available online and are as good a way as any to make a whole day disappear. To coincide with the current second season of This Is Not Happening, Shafir did a TalkHouse podcast with one of the most recent guests on his show, Artie Lang, the larger-than-life comic known for his stints on Mad TV and The Howard Stern Show, as well as his very public battles with substance addiction. Lang's first contribution to This Is Not Happening, about him trying to score coke while shooting the famous Baywatch Man TV skit, is a very apt introduction to him and his work. Both Shafir and Lang are honest and direct as comedians. What they discuss here very much reflects that, whether it's them talking about their respective experiences visiting Amsterdam, Ari eating tarnished baked goods, or Artie's tales of his time in LA County Jail, working as a Santa in a strip club, and his memorable encounter with Dave Navarro and Carmen Electra. It's not just war stories, though, as the two also dig into subjects such as censorship, pushing the boundaries of acceptability, and the resulting Twitter backlash, the fortunate position they're in as comics compared to the lives their grandparents had, and they start by talking about how radically New York City has changed since they moved there. Times Square, too, we used to go take the bus into Times Square, and I would get a fake IDs. We like, I was like 14 years old, a guy sold me a driver's license. And uh, he said, uh, the guy said to me, I'll never forget this as I'm leaving. He goes, you want a pilot license? I said, what? He goes, an air pilot. I said, you can sell me an airplane pilot license? <laughs> I said, how much is that? He goes, $18. And the, the guy For fake would, IDs, it's well, way more creative the than just made, some license from Florida. <laughs> the guy made it sound like, uh, like I was failing every class in high school in the 10th grade. The guy made it sound like if I bought this for him for $18, I could, I could be like the pilot on the Orlando flight that afternoon. One <laughs> it would work. It could actually work. <laughs> I got to get your uniform too. What size are you going to fit? Uh, you know, uh, and uh, I mean, Times Square was just a place where, right where the Lion King is now, you know, there'd just be a guy there with a blender for no reason walking around with a blender. <laughs> and, uh, chunky. Like, a, a guy with a knitl- knitting needle coming out of his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just, Giuliani took all that Disney money and. Uh, he said, we're going to clean this up, right? He was Giuliani like, you guys are all in, gone. Here's he had, had enough, yeah. I mean, Disney said, look, we'll, we'll just do. We'll, we got all this uh, entertainment we have the rights to. We can make in these plays, and we'll take all those theaters. We'll just, just as is. And he took the money, you know? Oh, really? Why not? Dude, it, I mean, seemed like, it seems like all the cool old places, they just get this, like, whitewash. Or even the Vegas Strip right. ain't dangerous anymore. Like, all yeah. those places you heard, like, ooh, I heard the Bowery. Right. Everything is just like, it's just Where we're sitting right now. Out. We're sitting in the meatpacking district. This looks like Disney built the ride of the meatpacking district. Uh-huh. Uh, the yeah, one you're I, right. The one I remember, you know, you could... Uh, like they just—I uh, think they shut down Hogs and Heifers, right? The coyote, what is that? I th- the, the Coyote Ugly Bar. Oh, you know, and uh, that—that was a couple a block from here. It was a block down there. They just shut the place down. 
But I remember there's a pool table there. I remember doing coke off the pool table. There were lines <laughs> as, during a game of eight ball. But the felt wouldn't that ruin it? Like, during a game of eight much. ball, part of the pun. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be lines all around, all down the thing, and uh, you would uh, take quarter, do a line, and, and shoot. Really? And, Every yeah. shot. Uh, well, yeah, if you have any <laughs> tolerance, uh, yeah, if we were Jews, it would be like, no, no, you got to sink. You got to sink so, the eight before you can before you can it, take a line. It was so out of control. <laughs> this place was gritty. Like, really dangerous. And then there was, you know, people selling steaks. <laughs> right next to it. Yeah, right next to it. So, oh, you know, it had to happen, though. The city was dying, you know. The show you're doing uh, now has uh, got a great feel to it because it, um, I mean, they seem to leave you alone, right? The, the, mm -hmm. As far as the networks, they're, they're, they're Yeah, cool, Comedy yeah. Central's like, you seem like you know what you're doing. Right. The last couple of specials I did at Comedy Central, I must say I was pleasantly surprised with they had just a metal at all. It was, yeah. I couldn't believe the stuff. It's a new crew over there. I think they knew, like, in, like, the... The 90s and early 2000s were like, oh, right. we got a bad rap for this. So they're like, hey, artists, do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. No, it really is a very loose. Um, doing a doing strip club was a great doing idea. Strip club, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, I tried to get that pole out of there. Oh, yeah. And they were like, hey, yeah, uh, we'll look into that. And the owner's like, we can't remove a pole. It was built here before the strip club. <laughs> we built it around the pole. I was holding up Charlie Chaplin's garage. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to, the, to uh, Cheetahs out there? Yeah, I was there. Not? You know, I was sitting in a different, we were directly opposite. I wasn't on stage that time. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in the audience. It was weird to be in a strip club like and have the view of the stripper. Everyone uh -huh. does look like a loser. <laughs> Sitting there watching me. What's wrong with you, you idiots? Do something uh, with your lives. Well, from this viewpoint, you all look like losers. Uh, Are you a big strip club guy? Um, no. I, I was never the kind of guy it. who got, you know, dinner at the strip club. Was, I, 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 loved, uh, I loved going when I was a kid. There was a lot of bars. You know, again, the 80s were very... The, the mid-80s were very much an, an extension of the 70s. It, it didn't really change until the early 90s, I think. Really? You, you, everything got really uptight. And we could get into strip clubs when I was 16, 17. So at that point, it was unbelievable. Wait, what do you mean? They wouldn't care? Yeah, well, but, but outside Newark, there was a strip club in Newark. grew up in Newark? Yeah, oh, in garbage. Newark, New Jersey, called Buns Ain't No Bakery. That was the name of the strip club. And... Uh, I would play Santa there on Christmas when I was like eighteen. Really? And uh, yeah, we I do. The guy hired me to be Santa Claus, and all the strippers would come and sit on my lap, and they have all this blow and everything. And the next day, <laughs> the next day, my mother would be putting out like the seven fishes, the Italian. And I swear to God, I, I would still have the nose. beard on. I would wake up with the beard on from Santa, and I'd be getting ready for Christmas. And if you hit the beard, like enough coke would fall out of it <laughs> to get you like like six months for possession within ten. <laughs> Your mom's like, what's that smell? I'm like, it's like chlamydia, mom. I'm, I'm hitting the... <laughs> to have it all pour out of there. It's a snow globe. It's, it's, it's a white Christmas. <laughs> uh, when did you first get into Coke? Uh, when did you first get into that? I, I, you know, when I was... You know, I had friends... Anyone who had an older brother uh, in, in the early 80s seemed to have drugs, you know. Oh. And... Um, uh, not I first did it in the minute you know, seventeen maybe seventeen. Then, uh, I, I so got, your older brother gives it to you? Well, I I didn't have one, but I had friends who had an older brother, yeah. and they they all had you know. Again, it was it nobody it wasn't nothing had changed yet. You could, uh, you know, guys would drink and drive. I had cases of beer in the front seat, and cops really didn't <laughs> care, and uh, you know uh, everything was loose. Um, yeah. So. Uh, a lot of kids started dealing in like the seventh grade and everything, and uh, yeah, it was just around. But I, when I started making money on my own as a longshoreman, I, I really got into it. You really, know, yeah, you I had did. cash and no and no responsibilities. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. 
Nobody sure. does more of that stuff than like waiters, like new people, like 22, 23, 24. It's like, I don't need all this money. Right. So right. they just live like, you know, well, again, cartel yeah. people. And I took and I took the problem out to L.A. Um, I went out to L.A. to do Mad TV. I never struggled in Los Angeles. I did all my struggling here. That's good. And I had enough connections here to where I could get it without having to. So well, like I, recommend me to a, a West Coast Well, Well, that, what happened, <laughs> the story I told on your show last <laughs> yeah. night. I always said to myself, how much different would my life have been if the guy in New York said, no, nah, I don't know anybody? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it would have been a much different situation. Because she said, because I was going out to a job, uh, 10 grand a week I was making. Which is uh, unbelievable. Right? Yeah, well, I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I would literally get the check from the Mad TV accountant's office. I was at William Morris. And I go, no, don't send it to them. Give it to me. And uh, what are they going to do? You know, And I would cash it. And I would send my mother five grand. I Western Union my mom five Gs for whatever she needed. And I put five grand in my pocket and I rolled around LA like I was Jack Nicholson. Five grand in cash yeah, in your pocket. I just put it in my pocket for the weekend. And just live large. Yeah. And I, you know, hell yes. You know, like you just go to a cold reading class, all the broads you could pick up with five Gs in your pocket. So then it amplified to where, like, now I have this fun life yeah. that I always dreamed of at 27 years old and 10 grand that we got on TV every week. And I'm like, you know, uh, you know, women and uh, how much are you spending on 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 the powder? Uh, you know, I don't know. Probably by the end, when I got arrested, I was probably spending three thousand dollars a week. A week, uh, three yeah. a week, because I was having it delivered. I was doing very very scary stuff. Wow, why like is that how, scary? Well, because I was having it delivered to the studio, like a PA who just got to the UCLA studio. Room. I thought you <laughs> meant to your home. <laughs> well, I was always at the studio. You weren't worried about losing your job? Yeah, but you know, yeah, I, I was more worried about not doing coke. God. I, I, you know, but that's true addiction. It's, it's physical. It's like, it's when it becomes, I need this to live. And that's the whole point of that story. You know, I, I didn't realize the humor in that story I told until like, you know, I was in rehab telling it. And everybody's like, wow. I was <laughs> You're killing, killing it in group therapy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, it was just a jaded, jaded life. And, uh, I went to a bachelor party in Amsterdam when I was on the Stern Show. One of the kids who worked in the back got married. He did a, a bachelor party in Amsterdam. And I went, and they didn't have any money. And I was like, I'm not staying at the Marriott. I don't want to, so I got this hotel and it was like five-star hotel. And I, I felt so bad. I never I never saw the kids the rest. Of, we left the airport and I said, I'll meet you for dinner. I never saw them. I didn't go to the bachelor oh. party. I was there for five days. I went to the red light district and I got like a, a hooker. I got like a, the money I had, I got like an Arizona nine. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, she came back and she could get, you know. Wait, Phoenix, they have hot girls. What yeah, do you mean, she was gorgeous. Oh, okay. Shit. You're saying it's good. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, for a couple of grand, you know, me and this girl stayed in my room, my bedroom, my, my suite I had at the Dillon Hotel overlooking the canal for three days. We didn't leave. Okay. And I, I said, yeah, snorting, crushing oxys and snorting them. The, the room looked like, you know, the room looked like Bruce Valange kicked Coke for two weeks or something. <laughs> and that's what it smelled like. You don't get a maid when you're doing that, right? <laughs> no, we're like, everything's disturbed. fine. More towels. <laughs> They're not. Like, I saw the sign. You saw the sign. <laughs> Your head comes out like Thing on the Adam family. <laughs> I want more towels. You don't let her see it. But I left her like a $1,000 tip uh, basically to shut her up. Um, so I said, I got to get out of here. We're in Amsterdam. It's like, I might as well be in Sea Caucus. I'm in a hotel room. So we got in one of those canals, a tour. On yeah. the, in the canal. And oh, the kid was like one of the Hitler youth, the kid doing the tour. But this kid, it was so funny. He must have been one of the, he talked in that Hitler accent and he went, that's the Anne Frank house. And uh, <laughs> very sad. He goes, very sad what happens there. Very sad. I go, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, Anne Frank. And he puts his head down 
and he counted, I guess, the normal amount where you mourn. <laughs> and he went, he picked his head up, got real excited, and went, and Zach is a great place for pancakes. Right next to it. <laughs> Me and Morrissey went there. Me and Paul Morrissey yeah, went there. Totally Grilled cheese and pancakes right next to the M. Frank house. It's delicious. And how right was he? Oh, he's so right. What it's a amazing. What a great recommendation. The Stroop waffles. <laughs> delicious. And I mean, do, she did not die in vain. You're smoking hash. Don't smoke hash before you go in the Ed Frank house. Yeah. Walking around going, oh, she had plenty of room. What is it? <laughs> Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I smoked hash and I, and I ate those pancakes. I was never more happy in my life. You know what I like about, about you and your drug use? Is that you still maintain this like normal, like in that story you told, it was still like a regret over leaving not enough money for the for the maid to clean up. You're like, oh, I feel so bad about it. Instead of like most drug stories I hear, yeah. it's like that's not what you feel bad about. But you well, maintain this normal attitude about it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, uh, you get, I mean, yeah, you get very cynical about everything. Not not only uh, you know showbiz things, but uh, even stuff like that. That that's that's when LA sort of really takes your soul. I mean, you meet a lot of these agents who like, there's nothing that they. Or producers, there's yeah. nothing too dark for their sensibility. Like, can laugh about anything. A dead hooker, you know. Whatever, you know, right? They. Well, that's the point, I guess, to see the, the right. entertainment in it, right? Well, they. I, I think though. they want to be known as the most cosmopolitan people. Like, nothing offends us. Uh, you can't. You can't offend me. Uh, it means I have you know power over me. Like anything you say doesn't shock me, type of thing. Oh yeah. Uh, New York's like that, and, and L.A. has it too. But you realize stuff does shock. Well, New York at some point it's because like you've seen everything. So yeah. me and Big J were walking, and some guy was in front of us, and right. uh, he just had an accordion. Out, and then we and then Jay's like, "Did you notice that accordion?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess I did." It was like you just don't notice stuff; it's everywhere. Yeah, like, it's not a regular instrument. Was that guy's ears bleeding? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it might have been a little uh, bit. But New York, you do, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I saw some. You ever see somebody that's tr trying not to be offended by anything, and it's like well, it's that's, too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's when it's like, yeah, like, you know, let your guard down. You're a yeah. little. You've never seen a midget on fire. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Be shocked by something, man. Well, they, Let it yeah. in. It's like they try to act like a lot of comics are like this too. Like, ah, I've seen it all. Yeah. Well, no, you haven't. You know. I was on Big J's podcast. Somebody and Lewis was opening up uh, mail from his fans. Yeah. One of them was cookies. And I was hungry as hell. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> give me that fucking cookie. And I ate one. And he goes, oh, Ari, are, we have like a running thing about people like jizzing on on baked goods and I was like what and then I realized it was just in a Ziploc bag and it hit us like I definitely ate semen yeah. like there's no doubt about it the guy literally tweeted in he's like yeah for sure I came on that I don't the know guy, why you'd eat it like what guy sent them food like yeah. it wasn't, <laughs> like he's letting food out of whatever his house is but then when we were doing it, so it was like, ugh, I can't believe I just did that. Uh, and then some girl comic was like, I'll do it. I'll eat it. We're like, it's not a dare, lady. Yeah, shut up. You feel bad about it. Don't, like, get you, into it. You don't have to be one of the boys yeah. all the time. Yeah, that, that's another thing that's going on. And chicks were, you know, acting like guys so much. Like, talk about, like, you know. Like, yeah, no, you're grossing me out. But it's an act. It's like when I hung out with my black friends in college. Right. And I try to, like, <laughs> talk more black than normal. And I'm like, just be yourself, idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not who you are, you know what I mean? Just no, be wait, you. I, I studied some bubonics for this party. Uh, <laughs> you ever see that Tarantino thing where he starts talking extra black on an interview? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. That's really funny. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, like black people have a, uh, there's a uh, uh, rapper Chub Rock that uh -huh. I got to uh, be friends with. He was living in the Chelsea Hotel in the mid-90s. Uh, and uh, my friend Orlando Jones, black kid, was on, uh, he was my roommate for the, last year and a half at Man TV, he was yeah. friends with him. 
so I had a great night with with them, and I, we picked Chub Rock uh, up at Chelsea Hotel. It just reminds me how white people and black people talk differently, and you know, black people just sound cooler with certain questions. Like I said, uh, Orlando was a vegan, and we were going yeah. to a restaurant that he picked out. I didn't want to eat. I said to him, "Do you, did he, can you, have, you have red meat there, like steak? Because I want to eat." And he goes, "Yeah." That's how I asked him. Chub Rock got in the car, and he asked it this way. He went, yo, they got any food for carnivores up on his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, same question. Same. <laughs> he wanted the same information. He's way cooler. <laughs> way cooler. Yo, they got any food for carnivores up on his mouth? <laughs> You're like, oh, I want to say it like that from now on. <laughs> the way he said carnivore. Carnivore. <laughs> <laughs> you got to say it like that, too. You got to say carnivores. I'm a carnivore, so if you have any sustenance for me... Yeah, what's a carnivore? Yeah, the carnivores. <laughs> yeah. Carnivore. It's just a cooler way of talking. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, you can't get away with it when you're white. The white kids uh, are yeah. trying to do that. No matter how good I you are. Like Eminem's black great. culture and going, oh, I'm lame. Right. <laughs> Eminem's great at it. Even he annoys me. Nothing's worse than like, a, like an older white guy trying to rap yeah. for the first time. Well, yeah. I never thought rap was like an, uh, 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 a, a talent. Until yeah. I heard someone who couldn't rap. You know, mm-hmm. you know, well, Snoop Dogg is very talented at this. That's kind of stand-up comedy is, huh? Yeah. Where, like, it's super easy. And you see people like, oh, you're terrible. Well, oh, okay, yeah, people realize that we make, you do it long enough, we make it look easy. Like, it's like anything else. Yeah, and we still get crapped on, uh, you know, comics. People still think it's easier than it is. It's, 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 How come you think that, because I feel like it's like we're, we're the ones where, like PC culture is attacking more yeah. than TV and film and any sort of inter- entertainment. Like right. seems like why do you, why do you, why do you think that is? Or is, you, is even true? Because there's no I, I think there's no real definite one type of music that that um, teenagers are into. Again, it's so sporadic. Like uh, so, there's no one to attack in that area. And I think in a lot of ways, because just musicians. Yeah, I mean, I, well, that are popular enough to where you make an impact attacking them. I think. Uh, I think a lot of teenage kids are more uh, comedy is kind of like their their rock to, to what rock was to us. Uh-huh. Comedy is to them in a way. And if you see some of these kids who come to the comedy cellar from around the country, like those comedy nerds or whatever, it's getting to be that way. They, yeah, they come up and they they make a pilgrimage there. You know, that they see somebody they they know. That's at the comedy stores. You see people like I've been waiting for this trip for two years. I could not believe the comedy store. I, I, How packed I, it is now, right? I hadn't been there in a couple of years. I went. I was there doing some stuff. I went on a Thursday night. Jesus. And it was insane. Dude, I, we used to wait. I was worked the cover booth there. Yeah. And we had a rule by Mitzi. Until there's six people here, you can't start the show. Right. When the show started at 9, we wouldn't start till 10, 10.30. Unbelievable. Waiting for six people. And now it's sold out before it yeah. even starts. And the Comedy Cellar, you know, it's a much smaller venue, obviously. But but mobbed every se- night. Seven days a week, three shows a night is sold out. They open up, you know, Village Underground now. I told and my buddy that. It was like, I was like, I just got off stage at 2.30. He's in L.A. He goes, is anybody there at 2.30? I'm like, yeah, man. It was completely yeah, full. <laughs> it's like Studio 54 or something. People right. go there, co- celebrities go there do- not to do comedy, just to hang out. Just to hang, yeah. You know, uh, and uh, it, that's great and everything, but it really ch- it changes it. Um, and I think because, yeah, I think because comedy is that and there's no real music like that, they they, they sort of realize they'll get more publicity attack. I My, think it's part of it too is because like we're talking as ourselves, yeah. saying things that we've put out as our opinion. So right. they're like, this, you're not, this is not an actor. You're not doing a part. This is yeah. just you. You're saying this. And you're like, yeah, but right. it's not well, exactly. And, I, and I, when I got a little bit of a name, you know, even it's like C-list or something, I was like, I said, 
where I seem to have plateaued. I said, uh, <laughs> I said, I'm not gonna, you know what, F forget it. I'm just not gonna worry about censoring myself at yeah. all. I mean, if I do it on TV, I'll try not to curse. I'm not talking about, but I'm just gonna talk about whatever I want to. Yeah. And uh, on the Stern days, no one gave me crap because they wanted me, I was selling so many tickets and you get jaded. You're like, talk about whatever you want. On Stern. Yeah, and well, and doing stand up around the country. They're oh, like, yeah. you know. And, uh, yes, complete freedom. They right. even said in here, they're like, watch the cursing. I'm like, oh, you're talking to two guys who never watch the cursing. <laughs> right. So I mean, it's, I, it's, I it's, talk, we have to think about this now. You, you, right. It's so it's so foreign to me to watch a documentary about what you know Lenny Bruce went through and all that oh. stuff. And then, and then I feel I have felt none of that. I, I, you know, God bless them for going through it. I mean, to think Lenny Bruce got arrested, arrested for for saying the f word on stage in San in San Francisco. Oh, <laughs> the most forward. Right, town of the country. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I can't believe that. And then certainly what Howard did on the radio, and then like by the time I got there, I'm like, I don't, I don't feel any until the Janet Jackson thing. But then we went to Sirius. I mean, there's nothing. We oh can't yeah, say. you were on FM when that Janet Jackson thing. That when yeah. that happened to me, I was. I guess I just started stand up, and so uh -huh. it didn't affect me as an open micer. But like, it seemed like everything on TV and the, and the radio was like, right, this like whitewashed thing now because one boob fell out. Terrible, terrible. Well, what does have to do with us cursing? Bush saw the family values angle, and it's an election year. There was a lot that went into that, you know. That happened in January of '04, you know, for, at the Super Bowl. And he's gonna get, you know, he's got election coming up, and all that. people, those people vote, those family values people. They, they really do. That, you know yeah, what they do? The, what the Trump box. is tapping into those people mm -hmm. vote. You know, whenever they do the box office numbers, they don't include the Christian movies right. because those win. That's those it. would win all the, like the top ten movies of the year were you know, all Christian make movies. A movie. I, I'm gonna make my angle. We should make an angle of the passion thing. Yeah, we should. Every year they do it. It makes money. Yeah, <laughs> they retell that story. <laughs> There's a movie about how Jesus was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, this year it's almost like he's Bruce Willis in The Last Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're Jesus. <laughs> they should make a real action movie with Jesus. Like That's real special get, effects. It's getting to that. <laughs> yeah, they really should. That would kill it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's like Lethal Weapon. Um, but, yeah, it's so... Do you uh, feel the attack at all? Well, well, uh, well, on Howard, I said, listen, I'd been on there for three years by the time that happened. And okay. then when it happened, I saw what he was talking about growing up listening to him because they they put a 30-second delay on us, which a radio thirty insane. Instead yeah. of three or five. Right. And, uh, wow. and you really realize, like, everything I'm saying, people aren't here until 30 seconds later. So anything in that time frame, which is a lot, whatever you say. So I really got mad, and I saw his anger because I would— he didn't you know, like being tied down back then. Well, a lot of times my buddies would call me up. They work construction. They listen to the whole show. Yeah. And they would call me up, and they would, it always made me feel good. They would go, oh, that thing you said uh, was so funny. that No one heard it. Howard was talking. And I was like that review. And I, that was happening less and less, and I realized what was happening they, less they less? weren't hearing it oh. <laughs> because it got cut out. And that really and every got commercial me, they would catch up on the thirty seconds, yeah, right? Yeah, that really oh, got me mad. That sucks. Because yeah. you're like, no, I wanted to say that. Right. They weren't hearing my jokes. Oh. And, uh... That got me so aggravated creatively. And I saw yeah. his, and he was going to quit. I really think he would have quit. And then, Stern over that yeah. sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, he's he was a real free speech guy. Yeah, he's being persecuted. And then, of course, he got kicked out uh, of that persecution mindset when he got $100 million a year. Everything's fine. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go for us. <laughs> it's tough to keep uh, to keep your uh, standards when you're yeah. bathing in money. <laughs> $100 million. <laughs> goes, oh, that's what Tom Cruise does in five movies. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I'll just take it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think comics in general, not, not all of them, I guess the, the ones that are on the line, I guess, hate yeah. that, like, censorship, hate that idea. But can't you just 
not say this. Right. Like, no, I can't. I can't not say anything. It's an attack on exactly what we do. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a and you know, and now it's starting to the first generation of, of people going to the shows, young people going to see the shows, yeah. are offended by stuff, and it makes me so mad. I you know when a twenty three year old adult. You know, a male, twenty-three-year-old male. If I say something that, that makes him go, ooh, like what can I? There's nothing. When I was twenty-three, you'd have to hit my mother with a bat to offend me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what did yeah. I say that made you go, ugh? I I told a joke. You know when uh, they were the, the, the guy got strangled, the cop strangled the guy in Staten Island selling the uh, selling the uh, Lucy's the cigarettes. Uh huh. Eric Garner. And, uh, yeah, Eric Garner. Yeah. And after that happened, you know, uh, I can't breathe was a big thing. Yeah. And I had a joke that I did at the cellar. And, oh, yeah. You know, and, and I said, to, I said, listen, uh, th I'm all for these uh, protesters, but their slogans they got to change because it's affecting my sex life. I was uh, having sex <laughs> with a black chick the other day, and the out of nowhere she yelled out, "I can't breathe." And uh, I said, listen, can we leave politics out of this? Instead <laughs> of just fat guy smothering her. Yeah, there's just a fat guy joke. It turns yeah. out, I said, no, you're on me. You know, I really can't breathe. So I do it at the cellar one night, and it killed. I mean, because it was, it was, it just had happened. It was tight. You know, people were, I was, I was proud of the audience. They were kind of shocked, and then they laughed. They got it. Yeah. One, one woman Wouldn't goes get. up to one of the managers and says, what was that guy's name? And she tweets out what I had said out of context. Out of context always. And this guy, I'm having, me and David Teller. It just wasn't having, funny. Well, the crowd well, laughs. So me I don't and know Teller you're... having a cigarette. She comes out, Val from the uh, cellar, uh, and says, uh, you, go on Twitter, you got to look at it. I look at it, and uh, I showed a tell, and he's like, it's unbelievable. He goes, these people aren't prepared for what they're about to see. And I said, so what should I do? I said, I'm not, I said, I'm not explaining. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to explain yeah. it. Here's the deal. Mark Twain would never explain what he meant by, <laughs> right. in Huck Finn. It's like, it's like the artist is not supposed to tell yeah. you guys. Yeah. Watch and, the whole thing. Don't, just, don't read a page out of a book and right. say this is wrong. Well, it's context. They don't get context. And I, I, uh, the, the cool thing was every, uh, I went on uh, Sherrod uh, and uh, Kurt Podcast. Horse, yeah. Every black comic showed up. That, uh, Michael Che came and uh, Greer and all those guys were like. And what they said? They supported me. They're like, yeah. What are you doing? You know, yeah. it's like uh, th because they get it. So, well, here's the deal. Here's what I think. When people say comedy's under attack, it's it's a terrible time. I think no, those attacks don't do anything. Right. It's just a little. You get a little Twitter heat for like yeah. a few days or weeks. And then it goes away completely. And, that's like, and more people that are into dirty comedy go, oh, Artie right. Lang's pushing well, the boundaries. I want to see that. If they're going to protest, they, it's like over that thing, people said we're going to protest the next show. I was like, I'm begging you. Please. That would be the best thing. I would thing. love to take pictures with you <laughs> right. out there. We'll tweet it out. I used to, get, I used to get death threats for those Amazing Races videos on MySpace. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, well, my tour schedule's right on my page. Yeah. So make sure to come out. I'm sure I'll be somewhere where you can take a bus. Either we're going to sell tickets or I'm going to die in a way cooler way than I probably would have anyway. People say, well, what do you think hell is like? And people are the fire and stuff. No, to me, it's way more realistic. To me, a hell is like you die, and when you wake up, you're in the comedy cellar bathroom. And it's just you and, like, say, Patrice. <laughs> and and uh, the devil goes, you can never leave. And he's like... <laughs> 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 just continuously shitting. No, Patrice at least will be fun. Like it'd be like, you know, like the, the, the unfunny version of it. Be you and Eric Garner. <laughs> yeah, right. And he's out of Lucy's. <laughs> so he's just mad about it. <laughs> and then you, you can never leave. Bye. <laughs> You're in that bathroom for eternity. I had a rabbi when I was a religious say uh, the afterlife, heaven and hell is the same thing. It's just an open Talmud. And uh, <laughs> if you if you do the work on this world, then you'll enjoy it. And yeah. if you didn't, it'll be hell for you. Right. There's, hell exists. I was in LA County Jail for a couple months, okay? Months? Uh, yeah. Were you really? I did real time. I was never so happy to be fat and ugly in my life in those showers. Okay, huh? <laughs> was there that stuff going on? Well, no, nah, I didn't see anything like that. It was only jail, but, uh, you know, uh, 
put it this way. I didn't see anybody who looked like Blair Underwood. Uh, were there any stabbings or anything? Uh, there were always fights, but I had my own cell. I was technically a celebrity because I was on Mad TV. Oh, and the, yeah. The guards were like, that's why you're a celebrity? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if this qualifies. Like, please let it qualify. That's not a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that's a that's a Saturday night show yeah, after I mean, 11. Come on, it's on television. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, I'll never forget this. It's a true story. They, the, the guards had all these sort of offensive ethnic names. All the different ethnic groups would congregate in certain cell areas. Were they all separate? Yeah. Then they had names for uh, each ethnic group. Like the... Uh, I think like the the Italian like Italian like the mob guys would be like the greasy cell I'm not, something like that, and uh, they didn't have any name for the black. And I said, guys, do you have a name for the black cell? I said, to the, I was so excited. He goes, I said, I got the perfect name. And they go, I said, the sickle cell block. <laughs> <laughs> I said this to a couple of guards. I really said this. I go, guys, I've never. I mean, I've never thought of anything that great. <laughs> <laughs> the sickle cell block. <laughs> and I, I said, you got to use that. You got to, please. Where is that? <laughs> where, 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 what, what, I got to go to that LA jail and see if it's still in County. And I said, they go, no, we're not going to do that. I go, well, Why? you're offended by it? What do you mean? And uh, so then, true story, <laughs> I'm leaving. A couple days later, I'm getting my shit together to leave. And I overhear one of the guards say that to the other guard. He said sickle cell block. I said, there's no way that guy made that up. <laughs> He's not creative <laughs> enough. It already went around. There's no way Gardo Houlihan made that up. <laughs> yeah. I bet they're still using it. And I get nothing. But that proves we're like a comic. You just, like, my life was over. I'm in jail. I, yeah. You know, and uh, I, I, that got me so excited. I smiled because I thought of that. Yeah. In prison. Yeah, yeah, I guess little joys, right? <laughs> it was in the joint. <laughs> it's like that, uh, what's that Holocaust movie where the guy tries to make everyone smile and laugh? Oh, life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Like his kid's in Auschwitz with him. Yeah. And he tries to make his kid, I think, I didn't see it. He tries to make his kid think it's a game or something. Yeah, so, so he doesn't, doesn't really, yeah. My and grandmother, they were in, they were in a, a, a camp, a work camp. They were? Yeah. Your and, grandmother? Yeah, and she would wow. trade loaves of bread for tutors for my uh, dad and my aunts and uncles. No kidding. Yeah, because she was like, if we ever wow. get out of here, I mean, you got to have an education. That is something else, man. Well, think of that. I, I wanted to ask, because I think about those normal moments like that, and, yeah. I, and I interviewed these Holocaust survivors once, a couple, yeah. and they met in a concentration camp. Right. And I want, I pushed wow. out, I pushed out, but I wanted to ask, like. Well, I wonder, wow, you just, you know, I never thought of that. I wonder how. How common that was. They met in the camp. They met in a concentration camp. Man, yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, he Those he people, died recently, but like. Uh, what strength. The yeah, greatest strength? thing you could have said. It's 2016. You said they died recently. That's the greatest thing ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, this <laughs> is a shockingly high amount of uh, Holocaust survivors are living past 100. They're yeah. doing the studies. And I just think it just goes to show the benefits of a diet they low could, in trans fats. They could deal with anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I wanted to ask them because they would talk through the fence because they had boys and girls on separate wow. sides. And they would talk through the fence all the time. And I How wanted old to were ask, they when they met? They would think like 19 or okay. something, 18. Uh, and they started this relationship. And then they got out, they found each other again and got married. But I wanted to ask, like, did you guys ever do anything sexually through the, <laughs> through the fence? <laughs> I mean, were there moments of like, yeah, let's get turned on? <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, Jesus, why not? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're there. Yeah. Uh, I, I just wonder if those urges are still there in those horrible moments. They have, I mean, listen, I'm sure they are, especially if you're 19. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. At Nineteen. The, the the craziest thing amongst all the crazy awful things about the Holocaust is that it wasn't that long ago, man. It was not. That, I mean, my grandfather was in the war. Yeah. Yeah, he was Italian. He got caught in the. the I mean, you know, my grandfather did something in life that uh, you know I'll never do something this great. He what? He, he, for, he's, he did it for our family. They, they they saw Jewish guys. You had two dog sacks. You were uh, you know given, and. Anyone with a Jewish name, the German soldiers would pull him out because he got captured in the Battle of the Bulls. And they didn't know exactly what was going on, but they knew it wasn't good, you know. And uh, so this one guy we befriended had a real uh, obvious-sounding Jewish name. My father, my grandfather's name was Caprio, obviously Italian, you know. And uh, you could get in trouble if you just had one dog tag because they thought maybe you gave it to somebody. So my grandfather gave the guy one of the dog his dog tag. He got rid of his two. And the guy wore, it said Caprio, and uh, the guy got pulled out of the line. And my grandfather's watching this. And he looks at it, looks up at him, and... This is a he, Jewish guy. Yeah, yeah. And he let him back in the line. Wow. And he never went back to my grandfather. So, uh, yeah, the guy was from Pittsburgh. And uh, uh, they... Over uh, dog tag. He got out, and, uh, and he lived a f full life. And that's why rappers wore dog tags in the 90s, <laughs> to give it up for your uh, grandfather. Yeah, you know, and my grandfather was real, uh, re he would, they wanted him to speak about it or write book, like, you know, the guy wanted to, he was really humble about it, he goes, no, that's not, he was very anti-rah-rah, my grandfather, but yeah. he wouldn't even say, I probably saved his life, they didn't say probably saved his life, when the guy, his, the family was like sending us stuff, he was so, uh, my family. Well, how did he feel about it, just so you had to do it? Uh, say it again? How did, how did he feel about it, if not heroic? He just felt it was the right thing to do, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he came out and would work three jobs to go to, like, a night school and, uh, you know. That's a crazy thing. They came home and weren't just heroes. They just right. were like, back to your normal life. Right. Never had any never had any money in life, but enough to support his family. And uh, just a better human being than I am. You know, like Someday I, I, I'm going to survive this war and right. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to have grandchildren. They're going to get super addicted to coke. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, gonna... <laughs> I mean, in a way, I've, I've had a lot of fun in life, too. <laughs> a, lot, yeah. a lot of goofing off, but in, in a way. You know, uh, yeah, I guess he he earned your goofing off. Listen, uh, me and you talk about the life we have. We won the lottery, man. We're comedians, sure. we're living at this. Look what we're doing. This is a weekday. You know, and, and, and <laughs> it's hard to get here by two p.m. I know. I'm, like, I'm, I'm yelling at people in traffic. I'm like, this guy's probably going to like you know build a deck or something. Uh, you know, I made more money the last theater I played a couple of weeks ago than my father and grandfather made in a, in a, in a year. Yeah. And and uh, you know, he in a way he did all that so I could be a screw up and make money doing it. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm very lucky. I, I I could not exist anywhere else but America. No, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is. Uh, yeah. It's fun. My salary the last year on Stern was nine hundred thousand dollars a year. God damn. And I, I that was like base salary because I would triple that in stand up. Those were the days of wine and roses, man. Damn. But but uh, one day uh, David Navarro was dating Carmen Electra and he came into the show and we used to play this thing called anal ring toss where a chick would put a, 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 a stick in her <laughs> and I would throw the ring like on a carnal. And Navarro said, "If I be, if you beat me in that, because he said I'm good at that, you could squeeze Carmen's breast." And she was cool with it, so I beat him. <laughs> Of course, <laughs> yeah. Got bass player for Change Addiction. Like Why is going to be athletic? Way more coordinated. <laughs> uh, I go, dude, pick an American sport. I don't care if you're thinner than I am. Stickball, you'll never get up. You'll Did you get, get to do it? Uh, okay. So she goes, fine, real cool. I had to do it over the bra, but I squeezed her bra. I'm squeezing her breast, for, and we're laughing about it. I get home that day, 20 voicemails from my buddies going to build, like, uh, an addition to a house in freezing cold weather. <laughs> like, well, you mother f You were dumber than me in high school. <laughs> yeah. 900K a year. For I go, doing that? Yeah. For squeezing Carmen Electra's boobs? 
Don't Come let on. me see you. Don't let me see that much. <laughs> if I see you, I'll kill you. Yeah. Don't let me see you Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right, I guess we're done. Yeah. I like it. I hope these people enjoy it. This is Nick Dawson from Talkhouse Film, and you've been listening to Ari Shafir and Artie Lang on the Talkhouse Film podcast. This episode was engineered by Elia Einhorn and edited by Mark Yoshizumi. For more filmmakers talking film and TV, visit thetalkhouse.com slash film. Subscribe to Talkhouse Film and Talkhouse Music Podcasts on iTunes, where you can find all our previous episodes. And while you're there, please rate and review if you can.